Jesus, we invoke your worship, your service, your ministry, the ministry of the Lord in this place. Call for it, we ask, Lord, Spirit of the Lord, the light of the temple, their eyes of service, the eyes of Jesus, Spirit, Spirit of the house, Spirit of the tabernacle, Spirit of the sanctuary, Spirit of worship, Spirit of service, Spirit of holiness, Spirit of truth, Spirit of truth, Spirit of truth. Spirit of truth, Spirit of truth, say to you that this is your ground this morning. This is your ground this morning. Come and take it and make use of it for your ministry, minister truth. Come and move us beyond everything that falls short of the standard of truth in the spirit. Help us to to ascend, to abide the mount of worship, the mount of worship to bring us into the school of holiness, school of separations, school of righteousnesses. Tamanos Stefana, coming out and Jesus, come and instruct and come and Inspire, inspire knowledge, inspire teaching, understanding according to your own education, your own way, the way which you were taught these things, all things that pertain to pleasing the Father, ministering to the Father, that pertains to fulfillment of calling, destiny in the Spirit. O great high priest of our profession, let this be your, your school this morning. The moment this morning, come and pour into every heart the, the heart of quest, desire for that holy profession in the spirit for which we are all created to bring pleasure to him who sits upon the throne. Give us eyes and give us hearts and willing to press in, press into, into that knowledge and into that grace in the spirit this morning, thank you. Lord, I ask for utterance to come from the spirit to quicken my heart and quicken my mind and my thoughts. I ask for clarity to see clearly. Lord, bring declaration, definition, skill, wisdom to portray the right, the right, Lord, that which you want to add to us today, let no heart fall short of this blessing in the spirit. Thank you, my Father. I give all the honor to you. We worship your name. Bless you. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Thank you, Father. Mercy. Feranasu prahatanasuya. Venahostia. Panoti hetosia. Feratane kriento. E kriento mistia. Eremesia. 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 We worship you. We worship you. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. Thank you. Praise God. Okay, let's open our Bibles quickly. To uh, uh, let's just see First Peter. Amen. This, uh, the same. There's just something, an image that I've seen, has talked to my heart for some, for some days now. Um, so I, I would we'll just read scriptures around it. I would trust the. The Spirit of God to bring, um, to paint the picture, to minister to us, and you know, engrave what they want to show to us in the Spirit. Praise God. Do you love the Lord still? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, praise God. Okay, let's see. First Peter chapter, chapter two, um, from verse one. It says, "Wherefore laying aside all." malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings um, as newborn babes that you should desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, amen, to, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, right? Um, that you also are, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by who? By Jesus Christ. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by who? By Jesus. So I think we began to, to look at this, this spiritual house. Say spiritual house. Spiritual house. The, the idea of spiritual house um, is uh, we saw that from Ephesians, see Ephesians chapter two. Praise God, Ephesians two verse uh, from verse eighteen. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief word, cornerstone, 
in whom all the building was fitly framed together, groweth into a, an holy temple in the Lord, and in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Glory to God. Uh, so you see, there is um, citizenship, that is verse 19. I uh, spoke about citizenship first. But citizenship is not all that has to do with being a Christian, right? You, someone can have, you can have citizenship, but not have uh, coming to a house, a development, right? So everyone who's born again has become, is no longer a stranger or a foreigner, but as by virtue of the new birth, you have uh, become a fellow citizen with the saints, right? You become a citizen. You know, citizenship does not qualify um, residence. Residence or dwelling is not the same as citizenship. You can be a citizen of a place and be somewhere else entirely. Right, you can be a citizen of Nigeria and be here in Canada. You can be a citizen of Canada, be in another country, in China. Praise God. Um, but there is um, a residence that has, that's tied to an inheritance, a lot, an inheritance. Um, so in the spirit, we, our residence does not start from the place from the land or from the place where God is located in the spirit. When you are born again, you're not born again into where God is actually located in terms of the residence of your inward man. Um, where in the world, you can call it the world, you can call it the grave. Uh, the Bible typifies the world as Egypt. And we know that Egypt is a graveyard is a, is a land of graves, praise God. Hallelujah. And the central theme of the Bible, I mean the Old Testament, is the migration of people from the house of bondage, which the Bible calls Egypt, into the land of promise. From the house of bondage into the what? Into the land of promise. And you know, the land of promise really is the Bible calls it the land which I gave to your fathers. Is a land of fathers, of the, the land which um, the father, praise God, the father, the fathers of Israel had um, come into possession of. Praise God. But you know, Abraham went to the land of that land, but he never lived there. He never got a house there. He wasn't living. He didn't stay in that land. Praise God. He, he moved away from the land, right? Then God will raise his children to come later to take a possession and inheritance of the land um, in the spirit. So there is a sense of ownership of a land. You can see it in the Old Testament. The, the children of Israel had it as a promise, but during the course of their life, they have to journey into that place, which, you know, Jesus is a land which God actually has given to them. 
but they had not taken possession, praise God, of that place. And we know that the possession, when you speak about the, pos- the actual possession in the spirit, or not in the spirit, let's say, to be found in the scripture that God wanted to bring them to was, of course, the land of Canaan. In the land of Canaan, there is the place of act of of possession. So when they came into the land, they kept fighting and fighting and fighting. It's for establishment of there's actually a portion, something in that land that will make God mark the book and say they have possessed the land. Uh, the Bible calls it possessing their possession. Right? And what he was saying that was upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. Then he said there shall be holiness. And then the word sons of Jacob will do what? Will possess their possession. So the sons of Jacob were around the land, but there was a possession in the land that they, it took David to finally get to the point of possession. You see that? And then there means in that land, there is a place in the land that God calls their possession. In Zion. So imagine, but you will say, okay, isn't Zion just a portion given to the tribe of Judah. No. Actually, Zion is the mountain of the Lord. Why? Because Zion is the ground which God has chosen for the establishment of his temple. And the, the raising of the temple is actually the fulfillment of the destiny of Israel. That if the temple is not standing, Israel is outside destiny. You saw that clearly in the Bible when they were taken away at some point to Babylon, right? It was a problem. God had to find a way to raise someone called Daniel who will receive a sensitivity concerning Jerusalem, concerning Judah, concerning Zion. Praise God. Amen. Uh, So what I'm saying is that you cannot separate um, when it comes to possession. He said they will possess their possession. So you can't separate. If you are called an Israel in the spirit, you know, you being called Israel, that is your citizenry. You know that? You have Israel in the natural, but now Israel in the natural, God is, they have, their season has moved from them to Another type of Israel, which God will raise from Gentile nations, praise God, who their, their circumcision will not be in the flesh. But rather, he said that we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence where in the flesh. So it means that the Lord, after some time, he changed and brought forth another type of circumcision. What is circumcision? Circumcision just means the court of God. It's a branding of God. It's actually, your circumcision is like your citizenship document, right? Some kind of a, a court, a branding. And anybody who has this mark on them belongs to a certain people, which is the mark of Israel in the spirit, right? But the circumcision of Israel in the spirit, of course, is not in their flesh is actually a kind of 
circumcision of the heart, which is a branding of the heart, something that God puts on the heart. And he does that by the, through the recreation of the spirit. When your spirit was raised from the dead, the spirit is alive, but the spirit also attaches a brand to your soul, which is indelible, praise God. That, is, that brand is what the Bible calls calling. A calling is like a brand. Calling means the, the it's called, a calling is an inscription. It's actually a, a kind of a legislation, it's an inscription, a, a writing, a sealing of destiny. Do you understand that? It, what, it, what it means when you have been called, it just means that whatever you do in life, if you don't do this thing, you have not fulfilled your life. That's the meaning of being the calling. And, and calling rests upon in souls. The Lord put calling in souls in Romans 8 verse 30. It says, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he did what? He then justified, so you see, calling justification comes because you are called, right? And then after justification, what will happen? There is then the glorification. So the end of calling is a glory, which is actually the glory of God that God wants to bring on people who he has put his mark on. That no person who has received the call, the new birth is a calling, the call of the new birth. But when they call you out of the grave, it's not just calling you come out of the grave, it's come and become something. Do you see the difference? Come and become something. It's not come out of the grave and start playing or start doing whatever you like, right? God is a God of purpose. That's what Paul was teaching here in Romans chapter 8. Praise God that whomsoever he did present. Let's see the one before um, verse, verse th- um, 29. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Another word for calling is predestination. A predestination to be conformed to who? The image of his son. That he might be the what? The firstborn among many brethren. So you have to tie these verses to Hebrews chapter 2. Correct? We all know that you must tie these verses to Hebrews chapter 2. It says that whom he did foreknow that he did predestinate to be conformed to the images. So the, the calling in the spirit is for conformation to an image in the spirit. Right? And that conformation, what image are you being conformed into? Is into the image of his son. Why? Because God wants to make the son to be the firstborn among what? Many brethren now. Who, who, is, who is this son? And who, of course, if the, those who he predestinated will conform to the same image, means they will also arrive at the same point which the son should arrive at. Do you agree with that? 
And so what is that, what is, the, what is the destiny of the son? It's clear the destiny of the son is glory. It's a glory that Jesus summarized it in John 17. When he was praying, he, he was about to leave. He saw his death coming. His time was expiring. He was looking back at everything he has done and began to give his report card to his father. Do you see that? And let's see John 17 from, from verse one. Thank you, Father. He says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. You see that? Simple. This is all he's asking. This is the point of everything. This is why he came. This is why he did everything he did. This is the end. He was just asking, Father, the final last thing. I've done everything that you asked. What's the final thing that is left for me to fulfill? What's the point of my life? Say, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son. That thy son may also may do what? May glorify. What's the meaning of that thy son may glorify thee? What it means is that if you don't glorify your son, the glorify, glorifying the father actually means the, the opening up, the shining. When you say, oh, I give glory to you, you're not giving him glory, he owns the glory. For thine is the power, the, the kingdom, the power and the glory. To glorify God is actually to make his glory visible, to make it seen, to, to open up the glory. Let the glory be, it's to publish the glory. Let the glory not be hidden anymore. Let the glory shine. When you are, you're causing God's glory to shine in a place where the glory hasn't come, been seen before, by doing that, you are glorifying the Father. Do you see that? So to glorify him is to make men, make others to see the glory. To open up the glory. Let the glory be visible. Praise Jesus. So, but the, the son is saying that if you don't glorify me, you will not be glorified on the earth. Do you understand? Because Jesus was a vessel of glory, right? Jesus was a walk of glory. When they raised him for 33 and a half years, for one purpose only, how can we, how can we raise a kind of man who can, who can become the brightness. If you go to Hebrews chapter one, they were describing who Jesus was, right? As the, as the end product, praise God. Said <laughs> Gordon's, who was sundry times in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. There's one simple way you can see the Son of God. Just simple, just see. The Son is actually a way of an invisible God, an eternal invisible God, a way to communicate his stuff to men. The Son is a channel. He's like a, he's a walk, but he's also he's a means. Do you get that? You know the way God create his own kind of means are different. When God, when men wants to create a way to sun, they build, they bring gravel, they bring granite, they bring sand, they bring cement, they, that's how men make way to somewhere. When God wants to make way into his own things, he raises a person. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? It's not, the way to God is not one road. You know that way to the Lord, the way to going to God. You say, I'm going to God, I'm, it's, not even, it's not going to heaven. 
is going to God. And God is a being, is an essence in the spirit for to construct a way to him. You have to raise a, a living entity that has a spiritual capacity. It has ways. Actually, ways in him are actually manner of life expression. Do you see that? After when Jesus stood up, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, but by me. Do you understand that? So, so it's also, the Son is the way to God. The Son also um, is, a, is a technology of speaking. Do you understand that? Is it what? Technology of what? Speaking. Like he was, Jesus was saying that, that he who God has sent speaketh, speaketh God's words. He who God has sent is the one that speaketh God's word. So uh, speaking, this kind of speaking of Hebrews 2 or 1 verse 2 is not just saying something. It is talking about a kind of speech that comes from development. It's actually talking about the sound of an image. Do you understand? It's an image. Jesus is an image. That image which they spoke about in, in Romans chapter 8, right, which we are predestined to be conformed into. That that image has a message. He has a sound in the spirit. Glory to God. In this last day spoken to us by his son whom he had appointed the heir of all things and then by whom he also made the world. So it is by, it's actually an appointment. An appointment means God chose and say, this man of, who was born in, in Bethlehem of Judea, who was raised in Nazareth, the son of Joseph and Mary, God said, I have chosen this one and I have appointed him to be the inheritor of all things. Do you understand that? He's become the inheritor. He's become the heir of all things. Glory to God, by whom also he made the walls. Verse three, quickly. says, who be in the brightness of his glory. That's still speaking concerning Jesus. Being the brightness of his glory. How can a person be a brightness? Do you understand that? It's these things, the Bible, if you don't have another kind of mind, you won't understand the Bible. There's a kind of mind, the way, and is a, is, a, is a way the spirit, wisdom of the Holy Spirit, that granted this kind of speech to, they can turn a human being into an instrument. Right, when you think of brightness, you think of a light. They now say that light is a person. Jesus himself said, I am the light. He was using all those. Those are wisdoms of the spirit. So it means that Jesus, while he was being raised, the Holy Spirit gave Jesus vocabulary to describe himself. Do you agree, Do you agree with that? The Holy Ghost gave him what? Vocabulary. He said, there's a way, if you want to describe yourself, there are some things you have to say that are not in the, in the normal manner of men's speaking. Right, like imagine a man standing saying, I am the light. I am the light. It's hard to hear. I've not heard this kind of speech before in the Bible until Jesus came. That I am the light of the world. 
I am, as long as I am the world, I am the light of the Not this one. And that place he now said, I am the light of the world. That he that followeth me, because I am a light, if you follow me, then because, so it means following me is actually as you are. By following me, you make my, my light shine. As you are following me, you are using me to see. Are you seeing that? So it means the, the sight that God has brought to the earth, right, is inside a man. And God doesn't have any other light outside Jesus. Say, God, I'm in darkness. I want to see. Say, okay, can I show you my son? Right? Can I show you my son? If you're not seeing my son, you're not seeing. You won't see. Even though you will be looking at things and judging and thinking and everything, but what you'll actually be seeing is darkness. Right? You, in other words, and what does the sun illuminate? The sun illuminates reality. What is reality? Reality is life. And our for life is the substance of, of reality, or what you call the substance of life, is truth. Do you agree with that? What is the substance of what? Of life? In other words, what are the materials that build up life in the, really in the spirit? It's truth. The building blocks of life are truths. Truth. Truth means exactness. The things that really are. Not lying stuff. Right? Things that really are which God has created that um, are valid in his sight. You know, God is a kind of being now. God is not threatened by the existence of lies. Right? God can be where he is. He's seen all the lie that men tell. The lie of Satan. You know, and Satan, the Bible man, uh, describe him as the father of lies. And that word for father means the generator. He's, uh, he, he's, able to, he's been generating lies for millions of years. I don't know, maybe millions or thousands. Sorry, sorry I don't know how long he has been there. But for how long he's been there, he's, he's a liar. He just keeps... And he doesn't just tell lies. He makes lies. He's, and that's what makes him a god. They call him the god of this world. Because he doesn't just tell a lie. He makes lies. He's a maker of lies. He's a father of lies. Um, John 8 verse 44, he says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. So it's Jesus speaking to people. He says, He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. That was, the truth is actually... Um, the truth is a realm of abode in the spirit that there are beings who, are, who abide in the truth. To abide in the truth means to stay within the definition of life existence which God has designed. Praise God. And when God, when God made angels, for example, he made them and put them in some form of truth. Truth means an agreement with principles in God. When, it, when anything deviates from the principle, its original principle, everything has an original principle in God. Do you, you realize that? Everything you can think about has an original principle. It means there's a way that it ought to be. Everything created was created out of an original principle. The original principle just simply means how did God think about it when he was creating it? 
Every creature has that. But when a creature or an entity that God has made has deviated from the original principle in the mind of God, it now becomes a lie. That's, what, that's the meaning of a lie. A lie means something that is not in alignment with the truth. Praise God. And that's what happened to this entity, the devil, or Lucifer. I said he was a murderer from the beginning. Who is a murderer? A murderer is a killer of life. Uh, do you see that? When God gave him a type of life, and the way he, he became a murderer, of course, he murdered himself first, right? How he became a murderer was through, say, the devil kills by alteration. Do you realize that? He kills by alteration. This is how God did it. Shift some things. When you shift some things out of the original principle, if it's life, you get like, there's a way life is meant to be lived out. What makes life continue is a proper functioning of a variety of things. When you think of an organism, right? <laughs> an organism functions correctly because of specific laws of that, that, that the, the system of that organism must obey. And when those, some of those laws start getting break, broken, what will happen? It begins to become a threat to the, the life which that organism meant to have. So Satan, when he went to kill himself, he knew what in himself to change. He did that, then he began to go after angels in heaven and began to shift things in their person. They are all the wicked spirits in the world, they were once straight before. But, so you can see then that um, lies is a weapon of death. Right, the lies deviation from the truth when you alter a true thing, if that true thing is a framework for a kind of life expression, when you bring an alteration to that truth, it becomes a threat to that life. Are you getting me? You see that? When Jesus was describing himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, you see that? The way, the truth. If you follow the, the way that Jesus is, you will start to encounter truths, right? Of course, what makes up the truth are truths. Truths means in plural, many truths that must be arranged at in a particular manner, right? Then when the truth comes together in its right arrangement, life begins to happen. You get, you get what I mean? Like, do you see that? Life begins to happen. Glory to God. If I want to describe way and truth to you, let's, let's assume somehow that if you can picture the way you, you were created, let's say a living organism was created, let's imagine the Lord in, in God, God having wisdom. He, he's seen in his mind what he wants to create. He has seen Adam walking around. Just, and when he sees Adam in his own mind, that's the type of a life expression which he wants Adam to have. It's a vision of life which God had concerning man. So uh, that vision in, in God exists first as a way. 
the way means the, the, the wisdom. It's actually not just the wisdom, but it's the way is the spirit. Right, that the spirit that wants to become manifest. Do you see that? Uh, God has his ways, like he showed his ways unto Moses. showed his acts to the children of Israel. He showed his ways to Moses. Moses, Moses knew his ways. And then, in order to, to, to bring, to make a way become life, right, you have to bring the building blocks, which are truths that are in alignment with the way. Do you understand that? You must bring what? Truths that are alignment with the way. Because if you don't bring truth, and every truth is a truth, details, it speaks about a way. Are you getting me? Don't think of way as a road somewhere alone, right? Think of way as I like his ways. His ways are different from his own ways. I love the way you did that. Yeah. Do you see that? What's the meaning of that? The manner. Also. There's a way of doing it. You understand? The way. I love the way you did that. Right? So, ways. When it says ways, what well, those ways in God, ways are many. God has many ways in him. His, actual, his ways are actually past finding out according to the scripture. Way, say ways. Way. Every spirit. You know the Bible also calls him the father of spirits. If he's the father of spirit, it means he's a generator of spirits. And every spirit has a way about it. Do you see that? The, every, what gives a, a spirit a characteristic, a unique characteristic of a spirit is its way. Way just means the unique characteristic of behavior of his spirit. So because God has many ways, which are past finding out, he went into the angelic, he raised angels, he designed ways among them. The way a cherubim behaves, it's not the way a seraphim behaves. We see their characteristics from the Bible. Right? Ezekiel saw cherubs. He saw the thing, then he began to describe their ways. That's what he was describing in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. The four living creatures, they have their ways about them. He spoke about their movement, right? How they carry the throne of God. Praise Jesus. And how he spoke about their spirit. He calls it, the, he said the spirit of the word, living creatures was in their ways. And with us, whoever the spirit, that's what he called the spirit, which of course is the spirit of God. Ezekiel 1, right? Then there's what he calls their spirit. The spirit is different from their spirit. Are you seeing the difference? But he's saying that these people that in their spirit has a way, has its own way that aligns with the way of the spirit. That there is a way in the spirit which their spirit fulfills. And so whithersoever the spirit of God was to go, they went. So this whole language is now speaking of ways, right? When they're speaking of went, was to go, whithersoever. 
He's talking about the ways of a spirit. Praise God. So whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. And Tida was their spirit to go. And then the wheels were lifted up over us, their own wheels. For the spirit of the living creature was in what? In the wheels. That wheel is the wheels that moves them. It says that their own spirit was in the wheels. So that means that every way their wheels will go is according to the way of their spirit, which is in alignment with the spirit of God. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? Praise God. Um, so the, the, the uh, so ways, when God has ways in him, right? That is, the God will now say, okay, I want, to, I want this way to be operational outside of me, right? When God wants a way to be operating outside of him, then he, he, that was the thought. When he said, let us make man, the reason for making man means let's also create a being of ways, right? And another entity, right? And that's the meaning of God. they made man after their image, or in their image, and after their word, likeness. Their image, and God said, let us make man in our image, and after our word, likeness. Glory to Jesus. So you can see that there is what you call the way of the living soul, which is what Adam had. There are ways of angels in their different category, in their different cadres, right? And so their way is according to is defined by the spirit which animates them, right? The spirit which, which lives in them is that spirit that determines, like we saw with the example of the living creatures, it's how they go is according to their spirit. It's whithersoever their spirit want to go, that's where they go. Praise Jesus. So uh, the, the principle is this. If you want a way expressed, right, you, it means that for the only thing that can express ways is life. When you say something is dead, it means that it no longer has the ability, it's no longer animated. When something is no longer animated, it's dead. And when you say it's no longer animated, it means that it's no longer, it no longer has the ability to carry out ways. Right? It's no, it can no longer carry out ways. You cannot have a life without ways. Right? It's ways what qualifies life. It's a living organisms in all their cadres. When you check them, the way an ant, an ant behaves, it's not the way a lizard behaves. And the Bible will say, okay, sluggard, you go to the ant and study his ways. For example, right? Because there are some things the ant knows that should be part of the ways of a man. But when someone becomes a sluggard, it means that that part of your have been deleted. You need to go back to the ant, right? And study him, check his ways, how he keeps things in the summer for the winter. He doesn't eat everything at once. He's not sleeping all the time. Proverbs 6, verse 6, right? Go to the ant and this thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide over seer ruler. You see that? No guide over seer ruler. Why? What's the meaning of this? 
It means that what the, she is doing is in her. Yes. It's, conf, it's a configuration. It's the property of the life which she has. So which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provided her meat in the summer and gathered her food on the harvest, how long would thou sleep, O sluggard? When would thou arise out of thy sleep? Praise Jesus. Another metaphor for sleep is death in the Bible. Do you agree? Yes, sir. Oh, sluggard. They, they can be speaking to a Christian soul. Hey, sluggard, how long shall thou sleep? And you know, Satan has designed the soul to, of men to sleep when it's time to gather meat. Uh, uh, right? When it's time to do what? To gather meat. That's when Christians begin to sleep. There's a, an anointing of sleep that just moves over souls. Praise God. It's because we have an enemy. Who knows that the secret to life is food? So Christians sleep when it's time to eat and wake up when it's time to play. Then when it's time to play, they spend all their energy playing, right? And when it's time to walk, there's no, no strength to walk. There's no strength to walk. Praise God. And the reason for meat is for walk. Jesus explained that in John, praise the Lord. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father, of him that sent me, and to do what? To finish his work. Glory to Jesus. Now, now it's, it's clear that work is a, if, if it's his work, it's not my work. Then if, then if it was my work, I would do my will. Now, because it's not my work, it's his work. So to do his work, I must receive his will for his work. Because his work, if I say, I don't want your, your will, I want to use my own will. You will do a work, but it will be your own work. Because if he doesn't show what his will is, and you get busy, you will do so many things, very nice, lovely things. Even when you bring what you did to him, my clap for you, that thing is nice, awesome. The only problem is that the thing I want to be done has not been done yet. So he will keep going on looking for who can do his own work. Praise God. Do you understand me? Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Now, um, praise Jesus. So the purpose of anything, anytime you have a life in expression is for to, life means way in a sense. The purpose of life is to perpetuate a way. When you want to make a particular way continuous, make it a li- an organism. When, when you have to, you're able to raise an organism, it will start living by itself. That's like what the ant does. Right? The ant no, it has no instructor anymore because that which it should do is already programmed in it as, as ways. See, consider her and study her ways. Praise God. All this, you find all these things are in... They are in nature, but they, they, are, they speak about the reality of your soul, right? Which God has created. How, why do I say that? Um, because this, this work, if you ask me what is actually the work of, of man, the work of man is simple. 
to fulfill the ways of God. Can you accept that as a definition? Is that too simple for you? Maybe you feel, what do you mean? Man, there are many things man should do apart from God. But it's not too simple. If they're able to show you how great and how honorable, how glorious, how beautiful, how vast, and how fulfilling it is to do God's work, you will stop doing everything else. You say, God, all I want to do, you will be like Jesus. Say, do I don't need any other meat. I just have only one meat to do. Do you understand that? Praise God. So that concept of work, I think in Ephesians, that Ephesians chapter 2, um, earlier, um, you, let's read it. It says we are his workmanship, quickly. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Praise God. Are we blessed this morning? Yes, I'm sorry, I'm going quite, I'm speaking very fast because I, I just want to build many things um, because of time. Praise God. It says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, which God had before ordained. You're seeing the same concept of predestination. You can call it predestination. You can call it calling. It's just a decision in God's heart. This is what man is meant for. It's just God, that has been settled since. 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 Amen. He says that, that which God has before ordained that we should do what? Walk in. So you're seeing the connection of the work and way. Every work is done according to any way. Right? Every work is done according to what? A way. So they're tying works and ways. Or works and walk. Do you see that? So every person who is created in Christ Jesus. This creation in Christ Jesus is that, um, that, praise God, that Ephesians chapter two later on when he was speaking about becoming fellow citizens, right? Being created in Christ Jesus is what makes you a fellow citizen, right? That's the calling. Do you see that? Let's go back again. We created in Christ Jesus, you are created unto good works. Nobody was, like I said before, you're not created to just be born again and do what you like. That's not Christianity. Praise God. It's, it's an abuse for Christians to, to, to try to f- generate from within themselves the worship, the service, the pleasure of God. Because it's based on an assumption that because I'm a Christian, therefore, these things that are called to me as what Christians do, let me go and do them. No, you forget that. You've just been a Christian for two minutes, man. And let's say you give your life to Christ when you were 30. So it means for 30 years or something, or, all right, for 30 years, for 30 years minus two minutes. <laughs> you were somebody else's child. You, was, you had a father. Jesus was saying that, you understand what I mean? You are, your spirit has his own father, and that person has been training you since. Yes. 
He's been training you since. And something about the devil's training, it doesn't look like devil. Because he knows that if he comes out and says, I'm devil, I want to train you, everybody will run. Even the guy, praise God, even the guy who is a Satanist, who goes to church of Satan, if devil shows up in church of Satan, everybody will do what? The reason why they are there is because devil doesn't come. That's why. <laughs> Say, Satan, we worship you. We are looking for you. The guys who are looking for him, he doesn't go to them. Because he must stay hidden from the sight of men. So the moment you wear your shirt, devil boy. You know, and that's all this Halloween nonsense and all those guys. The person they are looking for, if he shows up. And I mean, not in a hidden way, in, the, in his real essence. When you, he just opened his nature to you. See, I'm the, I'm the devil. Inside him, you see hell, all manner of, of ugly things. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So you can see that our sense of the devil is very, very skewed. It's very limited. You know, when you think of devil, you think of horns, you think of skeleton. You know, and Halloween time, you see all creativity. They're very, very creative. Well, when I see all the Halloween things, I, I'm just saying, you guys are, you are, too, you are too dull. <laughs> so this is what you think devil is. Skeleton, you know, all of those red stuff. And you don't know who you are dealing with. Was it a skeleton that took Jesus to hell and kept him there? <laughs> Praise God. So you see now the devil, the devil, his power is in is a, is a blindfold, right? He's a blindfold. When he comes around, most likely, it, it, this is what makes him powerful, that when he's there, you can never know he's there. Do you agree with me? When he's there, you can never know. Any spirit that comes around you, and you perceive them, is a weak spirit. He's not doing his job very well as a spirit. <laughs> Do you understand that? You, you are supposed to be a spirit. Why am I feeling you? Why am I understanding you? It means that you are too weak as a spirit. Like demons are the weakest kind of spirits. Because when a demon is operation, you begin to smell the demon. And around. You see malice will just start all of a sudden, backbiting, evil speakings. Those are demonic things, right? Or someone will get sick, right? Or physically, you know, physically manifest things. It's not hard to, it's very easy to tell that the demon, even unbelievers can say, yeah, demonic, praise God. You see an unbeliever telling that one in their child, don't go, those guys are, they are very diabolical. It's an unbeliever. Say so that those are, that family, they are very diabolical because of, maybe the demonic operation in that family is higher than the ones. <laughs> In, in their own. You understand what I mean? Maybe, let's say, imagine two families that are not, no Christian, nothing. This one, they're just 
pure idol worshippers. They don't hide their idol. Like I grew up in Benin, in Benin, in Nigeria. They don't hide such things, man. You just go. In fact, the house we used to fetch water from, and we had no choice because that's the closest house. It's either you, you want to drink water or not. Well, the house, they have a borehole place, they have a fence, they, you come and you buy water. You know, you, sometimes you want to forget the things that are inside the house. You don't care, just bring my water. That's what, well, after sometimes they will open their gate and then you, you see all kinds of, like you have an actual full shrine in front of, in their house. Place of sacrifice, they have all the yams, the red cloth, everything for their idol. Some of them use long poles. They put the sacrifice, all kinds of things. You get what I mean? So that kind of idol worship is, is clear that the spirit who is behind that idolatry is very, very weak. It's so weak that he can't, it can't resist the pull of outward of visibility. You know that it wants to shine. It will, it's, he's the one, it's the same, that spirit that wants to be seen. He will now tell them, okay, can you construct a nice thing for me? Make it big, make it tall, put a red cloth. And even the, the people who serve them, say, no, don't look ordinary. Don't, you can't just wear a suit and tie and be, no, 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 no. You have to, people have to know that I am the one in behind you. You have to look different from others. So you give them inspiration, okay, how should we dress you? Don't wear trousers, ties, or something. Make sure it's red. Make sure. <laughs> then. <laughs> I would like to you. Demons are useless. Don't, don't play with <laughs> if you If you play with them, they will mess you up, right? Those priests, they don't look, they look very bad. I don't, is it the demon that always tells them not to shave their beards too? You know? Have you ever seen a clean-shaven priest? <laughs> they always look tattered. They look, well, it's, it's an evil spirit. Actually, those things are to make mockery of men. Right? It's to, it's to, they would then, they are senior brothers in the street to be laughing and say, God, look at the men. Is this? <laughs> Imagine they would take a picture of that kind of a man and then go and show God. Say, God, see, look at this one. <laughs> Then you will remind God what Adam looked like. <laughs> Say, <"Can> you... <laughs> Say, God, look at what, look at what we have made. But this is the point I want to make to you. So imagine there's a household where that's their own, that's what they understand. They serve those spirits visibly grotesque in their idolatrous worship. But you see other guys, they're not Christian, not born again, don't believe in Jesus. Those ones, so they, it's clear they have their own demon, but their demons is not like that. Their demons maybe is in internal warfare, other nature or spirits. This one is angry with this one, this one is jealous of the other one, this one backbites the other one, this one is disobedient to the parent. Those are demon natures of demons, but they are all nice, they don't dress like native doctors. When they dress out, they all look clean. They look lovely, they, put, they go after their own things. And then that one would tell the other one, look at that, very diabolical. Stay away from what? Them. Now, do you, know that, do you know that when God comes, that diabolical people will receive him faster than these ones who are nice and clean? 
Do you know why? Because the spirit troubling this clean, nice family, they are stronger. How do I know? They are more spiritual. They are more invisible. That's, the, that's how you tell the strength of his spirit. How invisible. Can they stay without making their presence known? When you go, and, and this, these things have happened before, when you, if you send missionaries to such a place, they go and they will preach to that you know, idol worshiper. Simple. They don't need to open Bible. Just tell the story of Jesus. I was hung on the cross. Because all they are looking for is just simple a deity. They have some kind of, even the kind of brokenness. Let me not live my life by myself. Let something invisible be guiding me. It's a kind of brokenness that they still have. We just need to bring a bigger being, maybe do a miracle, do something, show the power of God. They will pack all their idols and throw it away and follow you. But the other guys who have a, is, they have a spirit that, has, that can add, give, that can maintain some sense of righteousness and some sense of glory that is nice to the world. If you come and preach Jesus to such a spirit, such people, it's more difficult for them to see the point because of the spirit that is troubling them is what? You see those things of strife, division. What's the root of those things? Is self. Not wanting to give way. And if a spirit is walking that in a person, you can act like that towards Jesus. Right, when Jesus comes, Jesus wants you to surrender. The idol worshiper is used to surrendering. He just brought the actual being they should surrender to, to be easy for them. The other one who doesn't worship idol doesn't have the concept of surrendering to it. It's an entity that is not physical. When you preach Jesus, it's harder to them. That spirit is stronger. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? So this is the point I'm making to you. When I, you know I said that we all had our training before you got, someone gets born again. Every person, as long as you are not, your spirit is not alive, you are, you are owned by someone and he has his way of training. He's been training the soul for years. But each training is not always physically manifest. Right? Praise God. Hallelujah. Now when you become a Christian, at that time, you have been recreated. What Romans chapter eight was telling us is that you are his workmanship. So when God is thinking of a, 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 a person, a human being, and God wants to encounter a person, is, is God thinks way beyond getting born again. Because even though it's such a great miracle to be born again, a born again person really practically is not very, it's not useful to God. Because you've spent your whole life being trained by God's enemy. Do you see that? Trained by who? Not in a diabolic idol shrine. Do you get that kind of training is easy to overcome? 
those with the highest training are those who have been trained by the more invisible the spirit who has trained a soul, the more difficult it is to undo the training that has occurred. And like I said before, how do you tell, this is a wisdom everybody must have. How, do, how can you tell how strong a spirit is? Like I said before, it's, you can tell by how, how much approval the, the life which they create has in this world. Do you understand that? What is the world? The world is a creature, it's the devil. Right? When I say the world, I don't mean physical things. I mean the systems that make up, that defines everything about the point, the purpose of life, where people push their energy to. Why do I wake up and feel that is important and go for it? Those are, that's the, the area where spirits stay. That's where they walk from. What, what, when you look at the world, the design of what this world is, the world is just is a giant place that has the ability to invoke the energy of men. To, the world is actually a descri- describer of purpose. A, the world defines point of living. Everything you see, in this world, there are things that men will, can die for. Nations can die for, right? Do you see that? In, and I'm talking about not, I'm talking about just causes according to the minds of men. I'm not, I'm not saying evil things. I mean, things that seem right to men. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's one blindness God needs to deliver the church from. If that veil can break, things will just begin to change. Messages will change. The vision will change. Direction of everything will change. What's the veil that needs to break? Is if the church can come into a sense of being able to discern the root of motivations, the root and the, the motivations behind endeavors, and be able to, to look at things and say, okay, where does this thing end? Does it have spiritual value? Do you get what I'm saying? Does it have what spiritual value? Spiritual value, or you can call it eternal value, or I just mean value beyond the present. When Jesus came, Jesus came to wage a war. He said, I didn't come to bring peace on it. I came to bring a sword. I actually came. You can call me a man of peace, yeah, but it's true. But the kind of peace I live with you, he said it. He said, peace I, I live with you, but not as the world gives. It's different. You must know. You know, but, if you, but we know where our understanding that Jesus was a man of peace. He taught peace. It's according to peace that we know. You are not arguing with you. We are all nice together. Do you get what I'm saying? But you know, Jesus didn't bring that kind of peace. There were people he was arguing on a daily basis. <laughs> they will come, they will ask, just asking questions, he will start insulting them. Right? Jesus was in a war footing when he came to Pharisees, those guys, the elite. War footing means that they're just simple questions. Jesus, why did you say, no, you are a, you are a brood of vipers? 
you have your father the devil, you have full-blown assault. Why? Because as he was saying, he knows what is in men. He can discern where they are coming from. He knows you are an agent. So who are those that, that Jesus stood against? Is those who are representative of this world. Those who seek to entrench and establish the allegiance of men to the present that can paint and tie men to destiny that has no consciousness of the an invisible life that transcends corruptible things, things that are corruptible. And it took different forms. It took forms of governmental agencies. It took form of Jewish religion, the priests, the high priests, all the sects, the Pharisees, all of them, praise God. Hallelujah. But Jesus was actually against them. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. Rather, I came to bring what? I came to bring a sword. He said, my peace I leave to you, I give to you, not, not as the world giveth unto you. So there is a way that the world defines peace. Yeah. You see that? Peace I live with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be what? Neither let it be afraid. Amen. Amen. Jesus hated the world. Jesus did what? Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus didn't hate material things. Jesus used them. At some point, they brought a donkey to him. A donkey is like what you might call an aeroplane today, an aeroplane into this world or something. It's like a way of transportation that the dignitaries use. Right? Whatever, the, when the prince is coming, the king is coming, right? what the kings ride on is what he rode on. So in other words, in today's terms, Jesus would have rode on an aeroplane. Jesus wouldn't say, I cast you and bind you, you aeroplane. You spirit of pleasure and luxury. The son of man came not to fly in plane, but he came, he came to trek with his sandals and to suffer. Jesus was not like that. That's like fanatism. That's, uh, praise God. That doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you are spiritual. You can buy an aeroplane. You know, some Christians are like that. They accuse men of God who have planes. They said, why are you buying a big plane and all that when they are poor people. Can't you give the poor all the money, like Judas, right? <laughs> when, when they brought alabaster and broke the alabaster and was pouring the oil on Jesus, Jesus Judas, righteous Judas, right? <laughs> Judas. <laughs> Imagine Judas coming to Jesus, <laughs> crying, Jesus, Jesus, my, my heart just goes out to the poor. So much, so much suffering. I'm just thinking, why bring this oil and waste this oil? Why can't we just sell this oil to the poor? That's, and Christians behave like that. He's paining them. Why is a man of God driving a private jet? Do you understand? Do you know why? You know people who say, if, you, if, you, if I hear that thing from somebody, I'll run away from you. I don't want to be around you. You know why? Because it reveals something bad in your heart. To me, men of God should use the best things in the world. Why? Because, because, because they are the hope of the earth. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? If you're telling why should they, one of them, who should use it? 
<laughs> See you all. <laughs> why don't, why can't they? So when they brought the donkey, Jesus didn't reject the donkey because of self-righteousness. He rode on it. Right, but it's just that he wasn't tied to it. He wasn't, his, his soul wasn't looking for it. It wasn't a thing, whether donkey or no donkey. It was actually a symbolic something. You understand what I mean? Glory to Jesus. We, we can learn a lot from how Jesus, how he handled the natural, natural things. Jesus didn't, nobody will bring money to Jesus and Jesus say, no, I cast you, I don't like money. I, money is, is unrighteous, it's unrighteous mammon. Therefore, I receive it not from you. No, it's clear they had a purse, they had a treasury, even though he gave it to the thief, but that's a sign of how he treats it. You, you understand? Right? If it was dear to him, he would give it to John. Why? Because John is who he always stays here. Close to him all the time. But Jesus said, No problem, we'll have money. People should bring their offerings, everything, donations. But let's give it to the crook among us. Because it, at least, if we, if we give it to John, it might tempt John. I don't want John to fall. But this one is already a devil. So let's give the devil the unrighteous mammon. <laughs> and to me, it's clear Jesus even forgot the money. Jesus didn't know how much was in the account. Right, because they are the ones that will come and tell him, ah, this is how much we have. Or, you know, like when it was time to feed people. They say, ah, there's not enough money. We don't have things to buy anything. Or, just, just wasn't even thinking in that direction. The Bible says, because even though he asked him, but he already knew what he would do. That's what the Bible says. You know, those miracles were teachings. Jesus teaching that it's not by... Now, did God want people to be hungry? No. But Jesus was teaching that feeding people or not feeding people is not by how much money you have. If God wanted to use money, God would have done it. Like when it was time to pay tax, right? They needed money for, to pay tax, but he didn't ask Judas, Judas, can you bring tax from our post? He just, something moved on him in different directions. They just go to the sea, catch the fish, open the... <laughs> The mouth of the fish, check you see, <laughs> you see a coin. But that doesn't mean that every single day they were doing everything by miracle. You, gonna, you understand? Do you get what I'm saying? That does not, the Bible didn't tell us that. That, oh, they were not buying food, Jesus was creating food raw. No, that was not how. How do I know? When they got to that well, they said, we are coming, let's go and buy food or something. Yes. Jesus didn't say, no, let's sit down, no buying food. Let's call the birds of the, of the air to bring. No, it means sometimes, they, you know, they behave. They were normal people. But one thing you never see Jesus do is tie any kind of prosperity or in this world to purpose, destiny like we do in the church. That is erroneous, it's wrong, it's evil, it's bad. Do you get what I'm saying? Nobody's, nobody, no Christian has an earthly career as a destiny. Don't use those kind of words for corruptible things. 
you are is a, a sacrilege in the spirit. You are you are you are insulting the blood of Jesus. You are insulting the New Testament. Oh, my destiny is to be a doctor to save. No, there's nothing like that. When God made man, there was no concept of doctor. There was no idea of sickness. He sinned that brought sickness. And all the professions we have are built around things that sin. Sin is the one that brought affliction to mankind, right? In, in civil society, why do you need a lawyer? Justice is because of sin now. If there was no sin, would as anyone need a lawyer? As soon as came, as soon as sin came, the first murder case happened. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's the, and, the, and it has been that way since check all the professions of men has to do with problems that sin has created and imagine men will now say it's my it's my destiny in life no it's not your destiny sir your, your destiny has nothing to do with your outward man in a direct sense your, let's go back to that romance again let's read it very clearly simple this is very um, okay let's we're in Ephesians chapter 2 Let's see that one first. It says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, what? Unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay, when you say good works, you can now, someone can now say, Well, good works means giving to the poor. It's, that's fine. You can say that. Praise God. But I can prove to you that it's not. That that's not all about good works. Do you understand what I mean? When you just need to read 1 Corinthians 13. All those things they mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13. No matter how spiritual you are, you've not gotten to that point yet. How do I know you are sitting here? If you are sitting here, it means you've not given your body to be born yet. You get? You've not... <laughs> You've not gotten to at least this level, you've still not gotten here. But say, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, what you call good works. And though I give my body to be burned. I, now, are you seeing, think of all the professions of the earth put together. Right? This is a, a high standard. There are some people who have met this standard, who died for causes. Different causes on the earth willingly allow themselves to die. They are, they are telling you that even doing that by itself does not arise as. Are you understanding me? So, though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be born, and have not charity. Hey, this is, this is church language. This is how church, these are the kind of things you teach to Christians in the church. When we teach Christians well, the world becomes nothing. The reason why we respect the world too much is because we are not teaching the right things. It's clear that, that charity, what we call charity, which is love, is not um, an outward show of, so they are speaking about charity as a thing that is spiritual, that might or might not be in a person who is doing all these good things. 
So it's clear that the church's job is not to make someone give feed the poor. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that? Now, how many churches have taken this as their job? <laughs> so in these days, you'll find a church. When you come there, they don't, I'm sorry I'm talking about churches. You know my heart, please. I'm a church man. Everything about me is church. But because of my, the love for the church, we have to point about the pla- look at the places we are falling short so we can adjust ourselves, you understand what I mean, to meet up with these things. Now imagine in church, we just, you, all you're doing is a factory. Get people born again, send them to feed the poor. Send them to feed the poor or to evangelize or missions. Now that's one of the, the craze of this Western society. In Africa, it's not like that. In Africa, the problem is poverty. Right? So we've not gotten to this level yet. You, know, you get what I mean? <laughs> because before you feed the poor, you must be fed, right? <laughs> <So> <laughs> we are still at the level of being fed in Africa. So it's not a joke, it's, just, it's the truth. So all our doctrines, our, te- our revelation, our prayer, our nine vigil, is about how to get stuff. That's just, there's poverty, man. There's poverty in the land. So in a church, you can't say, in this church, our vision is missions. When everybody in the church, nobody has a job, everybody is suffering, there's no money, no food. How would they do the missions? Are they going to bring misery to the people? You understand what I mean? So African church is in this level where it's about food, food, food. Food means just means my, my prosperity, my natural prosperity. I mean, when I say African, not just African, in most of the developing, so-called developing world, a lot of the, the church focus is on that. It's on how you can feed the Christians. But in the developed world, the focus of Christianity is not that. Feeding is not a problem. Government takes care of that. <laughs> and it's not even God, it's government. Everybody knows that. You know what I mean? Government stood and said, we are not, forget about God, we are now God. When you say the developed nation, a developed nation is just a nation that has a God called government. That's all. That's the definition of a developed nation. Right? How do you know that they are God? It's simple. They decide who has what. How much you work, does it, it's, not, it's not by working hard that makes you, you understand know what I mean? You work and okay. After working, they will tell you, take your own. This is your own. Right? Then bring the rest. Everybody bring the rest. Then we'll now take it and then we'll now share it. We'll now we'll give it to the poor. The poor. So they take the responsibility. They are the ones who distribute anything, wealth and all that. You get what I'm trying to say? That's how developed nation works. It's just government playing God. And they will take care of you with all the amenities. and It's fine. I'm not against taxes and all that. I'm just telling you what it is. You get what I mean? <laughs> or oh, am I lying? I'm not lying to you. I'm not lying to you. Praise God. People don't live by faith here. Christians don't live by faith because that has been taken away. In order to live by faith in this land, you have the Holy Ghost has to now teach you. How can you, in a in land where government guarantees your basic living, at least basic livelihood, as, you know, then how can you find a faith life? 
and a filth world. It means that you must pray to the Spirit of God to find way for to position you in, in, in position of necessity. You must be praying to the Lord, God, give me situations where I have help but you. Find a way to give me circumstances. And the government said, no, we are anointed against that. We are anointed against you being in any situation. You get what I'm saying? Where you are depending solely on God without us. So you must fight. If you have too much money and there's nothing to do, look for brethren. Can you stay with me? Let's share all we have together. Do you go you know what I just said? No. <laughs> Nobody's shouting again. <laughs> By the time you've worked, you've paid your rent, you've paid government, and there's still plenty of money left. He said, so who else's rent can I pay? How's that? How? <laughs> no, but... But in this part of the world, they tell you, no, 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 what do you mean, no, no, no. Have you heard there's something called a retirement plan? So. <laughs> and the government, they have their own retirement plan scheme and everything. They will tell you, we want to help you secure your future. So, and, and you must do it by the principle of sowing and reaping. You know, you know sowing and reaping. So out of your paycheck, you sow into the government from today. They are God, though, so they will receive your seed from you. Both government institutions, they are all the same. They are all, work, they are all operating. Now, are you seeing a system? Yeah. Now, do you think it's just happenstance? There's a spirit behind it. And if, if you are not a Christian, you, you won't know what that spirit is going for. You think it's just men deciding to construct a developed society? No. No, it's not that, man. <laughs> it's about the, it's the, about the annihilation, the eradication of faith from the earth. That's why as Christians, you have to, you have to, they have to give us the wisdom of, 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 when you come into the developed world, you must gain the wisdom of sustaining faith life. Faith living it means your life must be positioned in such a way that you have points, multiple points of dependency on God. Dependency on God. You cannot, Christ died for us, that those who live should live no longer to themselves. That's the only secret. The only way you can beat Satan is stop living for yourself. Because every plan of the devil is banking on your interest in yourself. You know, government didn't take that into consideration. And they can never take that. They, they depend on, there's something about man, is a work, that selfish tendency, that what makes men's mind tend towards themselves. It's an establishment in them. Do you understand what I mean? Praise God. So you must be able to beat the system. The Holy Spirit will craft a life for you that beats the system. 
Amen. Amen. So sorry to say that. So, we, so it means that also developed world churches will also then have their own pattern of doing these goods, this feeding the poor and all of that. But it, they can do it and excel in it without charity. Without what? Why? Because charity is not really about feeding the poor, not feeding the poor. Like Paul said, and this we will do, and this we are ready to do. But it's not really about that. It's about the, the house on the inside of the soul. The house on where? On the, the inside. What is it adorned with? Do you get that? What is the, the inward man? Adored? He must, he must start, and, and this is the honest truth. The church, the Bible calls it the pillar on the ground of truth. The, the church should be a place where you should be able to open the soul without coverings, without you know, shades, and make the heart and the soul naked and speak directly to the soul in a language, right? Which is, there is what you call spiritual language, which only makes sense in the context of soul communication. So if, so one of the signs that a, a, a preacher of the gospel should be able to teach charity for a whole year without mentioning feeding the poor and giving good deeds, doing good deeds. Yeah, I'm serious about it. If you can't do that, it's difficult to, to, to put charity inside a soul. If you want to treat charity, and now start using an example where when you go out, give this. Am I saying don't give? Please understand me. The whole world is set up so you misunderstand my message. So be wise not to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. You get what I mean? But what I'm trying to say is that God can raise a person without God does not need to use things that are outward, outward. Let's say, give you that for example. Imagine raising someone like John the Baptist in the wilderness. Purely. And I'm not saying they'll raise you in the wilderness. I'm just saying an example. Like of John the Baptist being was raised in the wilderness. Imagine God constructing abilities, sensitivities. You know what it means to be able to to hear the kingdom, to hear, perceive the sound of the kingdom. It was a different prophet entirely. And the voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the path of the Lord, all of those things. It was separated in the wilderness. The Bible says the child remained in the wilderness, the end of Luke chapter 1, right? Until the time of what is showing. God raised him where? In the wilderness. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, Jesus was the one who was saying that of all men, born of a woman, that includes all the great philanthropists of the world, that includes all the priests, all the prophets who has come before, all of them, of all men born of a woman, none had arisen like unto John. Means John was the greatest, a man trained purely in the wilderness. You now say, in that wilderness, what was he doing? How was he, how did they train? How, if you equate serving God, 
as going to give good deeds in the temple, which is what all of Israel had amounted to service of God, right? Carrying bags of rice to the poor. Am I against that? No. no. You get what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is that that is not where the building of God, when God is building a soul, raising a soul spiritually has to do with bringing spiritual substances into the soul of a person. Exposing the soul to the ministry of the spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to into is to put ornaments, things that are in Jesus, to wear them where in the soul. Now a person who has those ornaments can then now be led to go and give a bag of rice or whatever it is. God can lead you in different kind of ways. But you can't raise a Christian, get them born again and teach them how to go and give bags of rice and send money to the poor and send money to the developing world and call that Christianity. Because Jesus, Paul is teaching in Romans, in 1 Corinthians that one can do all of that and have not charity. If you do that, it profited you nothing. It profited you what? Nothing. Profited nothing. Say profited nothing. Profited, profited nothing. Do you understand that? Now, someone came to Jesus. What might I do that I may walk the works of God? Jesus, when you are asking me a question, he knows where you are coming from. So there's a way he will answer you. Inside the answer of Jesus, you begin to see the heart of the person who asked the question. And you know that, ah, normally I wouldn't have thought that this is what in this guy's guy's heart. It seemed like an innocent question. A guy just loves God, he wants to do his work, but Jesus was looking, looking at him. He says, and that's John chapter six, he says, they said unto him, what shall we do that we walk the works of God? Then Jesus answered and said unto them, this, so they are Jews, they are looking for works to go and do. They expect Jesus to tell them, okay, works of God. In fact, I came to bring a higher standard that if you've been given two goats before, give 10. That's what they are expecting. They, they've guarded up their hearts. Anything you ask us to do, we'll do it. But Jesus, no, no, it's not that. When it comes to walking works of God, God is doesn't, that's not what God, God doesn't measure your works in how much money you gave, how much all those things, because you can give all that and not have done one tiny thing. So in God's mind, when, when God says, ah, this person is a worker. Hey, this person works for me. You get what I'm saying? God can take a person that nobody even regards and God will be, heaven will be celebrating. Hey, this is the best worker. You know if they want to give workers appreciation of who is the best worker in church, there's a way they do it. Well, I believe that most times who they are rewarding is not who God. Heaven, after they finish their own, heaven will now do their own workers appreciation and who they are going to reward might be somebody you never see in how terms of how they do things and all of that. But how does God, how does he measure work? He measures a man's work according to the work. There is the work. Anything done outside the work is not work. God created all these things, they are nothing. When God talks about working, anything that work must have to do with what a person is becoming in their soul. Does that make any sense to you? 
So someone gives everything to give the poor, but hath not charity. So, so it means that charity then is a work that God can check in the heart. <laughs> now that will now make you see that the job of pastors is not easy. Of ministry. Like that, Jesus would say, someone will come to me, Lord, 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 I've, I've, I've done all what? Mighty works of all manner of miracles and all mighty things in your name. And he said, look, man, depart from me. What kinds of iniquity? We're not prophesied in thy name. Cast out devils. Not in an evil spirit's name, in, my, in thy name. And Jesus acknowledged it. Yeah, it was my name. I saw you when you were doing it. You were not, and it was my name you were using. In my name, done many wonderful works. It was my name, and the works were wonderful. But then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that walk iniquity. Does that mean you can walk iniquity in his name? Yes, 100% yes. 100% yes. If you say, I'm going to abandon charity, I won't do charity, but rather I want to do miracles instead. Okay, God will say that. You don't want to do charity. You say, no, I'm not doing charity. No. I want miracles. I want to go to the mission field and be healing the sick. Just say, you don't want to do charity. You say, no. You will feel like when, when Jesus hears that, he will say, I hereby curse thee from not eternity. No, no, no. Jesus is not like that. You say, okay, you want to do miracles. All right. How much money do you need for doing miracle? Say, Jesus, I need million dollars. I'm going to spend every time on the mission field. Then they will check. They know you are sincere. You will spend all the money in the mission field. I say, what does it mean? I need mighty anointing. That when sickness sees me, it will jump out and and pick race. (laughs) Jesus will say, okay. You know these guys that did this this thing? I I don't feel they just did them. Because when they say wonderful works, you don't understand what they are talking about. So it means they must have fasted, number one. Because at some point, Jesus will say that this kind goeth not out, except, I mean, even you must have fasted more than the disciples could ever have fasted to receive the anointing, to do all these things, all kind of spirit, what we call spirituality. These people, this person that's saying this has done all of that. They fasted, they've waited, they prayed. Lord, I need anointing. I need anointing. I want to heal the sick. I want to do miracles. Now, I've seen those things we call nice Christianity. If you see a person who is like that, you'll be like, you'll be convicted. Ah, 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 ah. Then you now see the raw power will come on them. When they touch the sick, sickness moves. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? But they've said in their heart they're not doing charity. Because maybe a preacher who preaches charity was not preaching those things comes. And they say, Char- what is this charity thing? As, so you mean I should leave everything and be focusing on the inside work? No, no. There are souls to be saved. They will, say, they will tell Jesus the world is perishing. The world is dying. And then they will pray. And Jesus, so Jesus will not get angry and say, you, you will never see one tiny anointing. You will never. No, that's how we will behave. <laughs> you are refusing my charity. You are refusing my work. So forget it. You'll be as dry as a plank. <laughs> Jesus is not like that. Jesus, okay, no problem. You want anointing. You want money. No, Allah. Take. Do you know why he will give you? Do you know why he will give you? Because you are an instrument. 
It's not about you. It's about that person who needs to be healed. Maybe that person will do charity, but he needs to be healed. So, go. Now, some pastors who are missionaries who refuse to do charity, Jesus will give them anointing. Go and preach so that other people who will do charity will get born again and they will do charity. So, why Jesus was, was permitting his name to be used? But when he, he said, I never knew you. In other words, you don't register to me. You, do, you actually don't register to me. You did things that, you, you, so that's why you cannot, you can never measure yourself by what God did through you. You are making a big mistake. A big mistake means you don't understand anything about God, about the Bible. God, when it comes to using things, when it comes to using things, anything, the prophet was misbehaving. God used a donkey to preach to the prophet. Have you not seen that? The Bible says he restrained the madness of the prophet through the message of a donkey. Donkey. It's, it's clear. <laughs> When it comes to usage, well, so don't just be a tool in the hands of God. Don't be a tool in God's hands. Be a project Amen. to God. Do you know what it means to be a project to God? When, pray that God, hey, don't just, let me not just be to you as someone you're using in a season to do something. Let me be a work that you are doing. I want to be a work that you're doing. That, that you will do it, you go, you come back, you continue from when you Amen. stop. That I want to be a project in your hand. I want to know that God, God does not, this natural world is too small for God to walk. Every work that God will do in the natural, he has done it since the first day, he has rested from everything about that. He rested. God actually rested. But, he, he rested from those works. What did God rest from? Simple. And, and that rest that God rested, he will never wake up again from that rest. That Genesis chapter one rest. What is the rest God woke up from? Is the rest of the works of his hands. So men want to wake him up by force. God said, I have rested from the works of my hand. I have rested. I'm not going to create another planet. I'm not going to create another this, another that. Everything I will ever do with my hands. All these things have been, said the Lord. Right? All these things have been. Where's Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is, but where is the house that you built for me? Haven't all these things been? I made these are the works of my hand. And I've rested from all those works. But to this man will I look. What is Luke? It's a different kind of walk entirely. He's talking of the walks of his face. God has walk of his hand and walk of his face. You understand what I mean? Walks of hand have finished. He has made all the angels we ever make. He has made everything. It's just the walks are just continuing. But the face, God has been saying, which day will man allow me to walk? to bring the, the walk of my face. What is the walk of my face? It's the walk of beholding. Right? 
God made man in his image. You know, that image was also a work of his hand. But what we call likeness is not the work of God's hand. That one, he made man to now be after his likeness. It means keep pursuing my likeness. Likeness talks about, that if Hebrews 1 calls it the express image of his person. This is the inward configuration. Likeness actually means ways. Like the ways of God. And those ways of God, say ways. Ways. Ways of God is what God wanted to do right from the beginning. He was about to start it with Adam. Sin came, caught it short. Men fell short of it. You saw? It was about departure from the presence of God. What was the presence? The presence means the faces of Yahweh. It's an exposure of the soul to the faces. What are the faces? The face of God is talking about that which communicates the ways of God. It takes the face of God to communicate what? The ways of God. And I'm not speaking of any trivial thing. Don't say, I'm born again so I see his face. You don't. You do not see his face. Say, no, the Holy Spirit comes to me and I, when I sing and worship, I experience the Holy Ghost and the Lord is talking to me. You know, you know we use that metaphor, I just went before the face of the Lord. You know, you know that kind of thing. We like those kind of things, man. I just went before his face. And then when I just, I was before his face and then, <laughs> I was before his face and then God spoke. I'm not, I'm not mocking anybody. Those are things we don't, we say things we know nothing about. Have you seen the face of God? The face of the maker. Okay, you were before his face. What did you see? Don't tell me that you went to his face and he told you that you're going to be a good banker. I'm sorry, sir. With all due respect, you have not seen his face. You have not seen his face. You can't see God's face and come back with a message of anything corruptible. Actually, you cannot see his face and come back with a, a thought about anything that would pass away. It's not his face that you saw. Because the Bible makes us to know about him who sits on the throne, before whose face all things fled. The heavens and the earth departed from his face. When God's face comes, hand materials run away. That when the face of God is, is something else entirely, things that are only handmade cannot stand before his face. It's only face-constructed materials that stand before the face of God. Oh, 
praise God. Okay, let's quickly hear the interpretation. The Lord will give you grace to make it a quick interpretation. Prahata Velama Subrunta Lavaragadonia Pahatalia Bandegalavaraita Elavrosopania Vanta Talia Bantu Lugosopalia Teveragunta Liata Folle Pantia Fom to come to Falia Soprahash Devanta Folita For I am raising you as sons that can live under the tutorship and the orchestration of a father. I le pronto lo for the operation of the face of the Lord is the operation of instilling my things, of bringing my essence, my being, my person before you. I want to give you my things. So begin to look up and long for the, for the opening and the shining of my face to you. For that is how you conform even into the image of the sun. It is leprotali for leprantali for he that beholds not the face of the father is a bastard. He is a bastard. So leprantaliva Alia proteli for the face guides, for the face chastises, for the face orchestrates and leads you. For this is the work of the Father. It is the work of the Father. It is the raising of sons. It is the raising of sons. And it is the operation of the face. For Liprata, depart not from the ways and from the face of the Father, but stay under, stay under, stay under. And so you'll be raised to become a father, says the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Glory to Jesus. When we speak of the face of God or the face of the Father, uh, we're not speaking about, um, we're not speaking about, think about it this way, God is a spirit. Then what does the face of a spirit mean? Right? He's not talking about a physical face. Right? You, have to, you, you must now understand what does face represent? Uh, what does face represent? Face is actually an instrument for the communication of ways and for the giving of spirit. It's for, it's, it's a, the face is like a window into the countenance. It's like an access into the, that which is within. The, the face is actually what rele- face releases spirit. Right? How does, for example, the Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so it does a man sharpen the countenance of his, of his friend. Amen. Now, I'm sad. Now, I'm sad. I'm not happy. And then you just come to me, you just do me like this. And then you smile. That smile has some story, something about the smile. That there's maybe a kind of a spirit which something you've shared that you see in that smile. All of a sudden, that can shift your countenance. There's, how do I know there's something about the face? When you give birth to a newborn, a baby, just in, if nobody has taught them, when you look at the person whose face you look at, they've not gone to a school of that. Why don't they look at your leg every time? <laughs> Why are they not fascinated by your shoulder? Why is that a baby always looks at the face? Fascinated at the face. It's, baby looks at the, who taught the baby about the face? It's not really about the baby, it's about the face. There's something about the face of a person. When you want to interact with them, you look at the face. Because through the face, you can touch the spirit. Right? Face has many things about it. Face has a gaze. It has a look. 
then the face has something called, attached to it called tongue, mouth, from where expressions of the inward countenance, what is within the person, can proceed. Everything has to do with say, God was son right time, the nervous man spoken unto us by his son, spoken. If he's spoken, means that that speech is, comes from his face. You, so the, the message of the Son of God actually, so it's clear that the Son of God is actually a product of the face of God. That's why it's called the image of God. The express image of what? Of his person. So the, when it's time to begin to minister God's ways, you can't minister God's ways without, without face. Hand has to do with like when they were, they were speaking about Moses. He said to the children of Israel, God made no his acts. His acts, just, it's just something about things of what his hand can do. See, but my ways have I shown to Moses. How did he show Moses his ways? Moses prayed on the mountain. Show me your face or show me your glory. It's through face interaction. He said, I, will, I speak to other people and all that, but Moses, I speak to him face to face. I speak to him like a friend speaks to his own friend. That's how I speak. So Moses was a person. He was too, so Moses came into knowing the ways of God through the face of God. Are you seeing that? Yes, sir. So to, to, to get access to the face of God, I'm talking of God's own face. Praise God. Hallelujah. Or to get access to the ways of God, a person must be able to climb into being exposed to the, the actual face of God. Now, before you, before you get to God's face, God's face is not the first face you learn. You must, begin, you must first get in, initiated into face ministry. Face ministry doesn't start with seeing God's face. You must come to the face of the, for the face of the Lord. Right now, the Lord, to our Lord, our Lord is Jesus. There is something which is in the face of Jesus. What is in the face of Jesus is a gospel. It's a gospel. You can call it the glo- is the glorious gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, they were saying something. If quickly, um, you can read that. Amen. You know, these are the message of the epistles. It's the, the epistles that explain these things. Praise God. For, it says, for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, has shine in our hearts. So God, he commanded light to shine from darkness, right? He has then shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of what? The glory of God. In what? The face. The word light here of the knowledge means the guidance of the knowledge. This light is that which appears. When you are, you are in pure darkness, right? Which is where man, right? those who sit in darkness have seen a great light. Those who sit, we are all sitting in darkness when they, they called you into light, right? Just I'm the light of the world. They that followeth me will no longer walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. Light of life means they begin to come into the, the sense of life. You know, everything I've been describing to you is a kind of a sense of life. What is God's life? 
we must remove all the wrong definitions around them and then leave the rest of it and I begin to move into it with a particular kind of mind to define the concept of God's life. It's not easy for a person to detach definition of the core of your Christianity from outward things than to carry an invisible calling and begin to do it every day for years and years until years turn into decades and decades begin to count. And, and then you, you look at every, everybody else is doing everything else, but you say, I'm going to hold on to this profession. You understand what I mean? That's what makes the church different, sir. Remove that, we're all doing just religion. All, if you remove these spiritual things from the Christianity, all that's left is we are just competing with Muslims on who, to, who, is, who is doing good more. And we can never beat some of those guys at it because that's all they are doing. <laughs> you understand what I mean? And the devil doesn't fight them the way he fights you. You understand what I'm trying to say? So when he says the, the light of the knowledge, there's something called the light of the knowledge, of the glory. Inside the, the light of the knowledge, there's a curriculum which includes foundations, right? This, which is what? A kind of what? Foundations, foundation. Glory to God. Inside light, there are, there are, they are, they are glory to Jesus. Light, you can differentiate light. Light, can, light amen, can be differentiated between, you know, it says that, that your, your word is a lamp onto my feet. So a lamp to my feet is not the same as a light to my path. While you are standing, you've not moved, you have a light, a portion of the word is a lamp onto your feet. And it means, why is a lamp to your feet? You can still be stationary. At that time, it begins to draw out all kinds of maps to you, all kinds of precepts, right? A lamp to your feet is talking about a lamp that is close to you, right? It's actually a lamp of instruction, meaning it's a lamp of precept. But when it becomes what a light of a path, the path means a way. It's talking about, so when the light begins to unveil a way, it's an opening up. So, so it's very clear that um, this light onto my path is what you call the light of life. Because the light of life has to do with following, right? Has to do with what? Following. Say so that is he, I'm first the light of the world. That can manifest in different ways. But then, but he that followeth me means to whom I'm now a light of illuminating a path to. Such a person will now have a particular kind of light called the light of life. The light of life means the, that which makes life, um, th- that which explains life that makes life, you know, we're talking life of God, life of God. Do we have the life explained in our soul? It's clear you cannot explain the life without showing the way. Because to get to that life, 
means you must be, have been schooled in the way and the truth. Right? You must, you must have the concept of the way. Then you must now be able to reach into the spirit to bring the, the building blocks of truth which will establish the life according to the pattern which you have seen in the way. Praise Jesus. Are you getting me? So the light of the glory, of, amen, sorry, quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, amen, in the face of Jesus Christ, right? In whom God, sorry, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God where in the face of Jesus Christ. Then quickly, Revelation chapter 20, Revelation 20, verse, verse 11. Revelation 20, verse 11. Uh, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose what? The what? And what? The heaven, the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now, remember they've described to us multiple places in the Bible. These are heaven and the earth are works of his hands. So we're not talking about some bad evil things. We're talking about things which God made with his hands. But, but when his face came, before his face, they what, fled and there was found no, what, no place for him, for them. Now, this face that made them to flee is not an ordinary kind of face. It is the face of him who sits in the time of judgment, right? They've brought the great white what, throne and then he sat. Then let's see verse 12, we'll explain more. And I saw the dead, you see, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books, according to what? Their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up dead which were in it, in them, and they were judged every man according to what? His, their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So are you seeing this? This is final judgment. Final judgment, they are showing you what is the criteria for, count, for throwing things into the lake of fire. The criteria is according to works, right? But it's according to works. Where do they check the works? How do they find out? When you see a person coming, and we saw the great, both small, the dead, both small and great, different measures of dead began to come. And they now say they will check their works, but by what do they measure works standard? By what? By the book of life. That's what they said. Now, they say, Let's see it. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. 
and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book. So the book of life is not a, a book where they check, is your name inside here? Even though the Bible speaks of that sense of blotting someone's name from the book of life. But when you say someone's name has been blotted from the book of life, what are they saying? Are they saying that if they write your name and your surname inside there, they will go and use an eraser to clean it? Right? It's not, that's not, <laughs> it's not a book of names, it's a book of life. Do you get me? So when you say, and it's, it's not a book of lives. It's a book of life. It's the book of life. It's the book of life. It's not a book of life. It's the book of life. That one is talk, it's just talking about the book that has everything about the life. Which life? The life which is the destiny of man. What God has called man to. So what is that book? This is the book where they would check that is a summary of the life which God has. You get what I'm trying to say? When they now use the word name, name has to do with inheritance, portion. So it's clear that the names of those who are in that book are that book of life, that life has owners. The moment you take portion of that life, your name appears. What that name just means that this is one of the people who have this life among all the men. So all they are explaining to you is that when God will be judging men, it's according to the life that is in them. Right? It's according to which word? It's according to the life that is in them. Praise God. So the work which God is meant, man is meant to do, what is the work then? The work of every soul is coming into the life of God. Coming into where? Coming into the life of God. That life is shown in God's face. We need the ministry of the face. That is what Jesus was teaching. He was saying, no man has seen my father at any time. John chapter 1. He said, but the only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. is the brightness of his glory. The one who sheds and shows his face. He releases the details, the revelation of the word, of the face of God. Amen. So, the point of my message, I want to show you the reason for a spiritual house. In the next five minutes, let's quickly go to 1 Peter chapter 2, as we are about to close. Amen. Amen. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men. I've explained all these things. What it means is disallowed of men, or chosen of God, and precious. 
Disallowed of men means that all the things that are called to men, what men allow, is not, is not according to his own standard. That when you bring him, men will disapprove him. And men will approve other things. Means the natural mind of what man likes, he doesn't flow with such things. Why is it that men don't like his things? It's because man naturally doesn't have the capacity to have, to put value in that which is not expedient to his natural life. There's nothing on this earth that does that. You never go to a school and say, this is the class of invisible things. Have you ever gone to a university like that before? Say, now, they say, this is the class we teach you invisible stuff. They say, we've taught you matter, we've taught you everything, laws of nature. Now, we want to teach you something called fate, which is what we use. For. Have you gone to university of that before? No, they don't. Even when you go to theological school, all of them, they will be teaching you letters. This is the origin of, this is what Paul was thinking when he was on the way to Damascus and all of that. This is how many roadblocks were on the road that his donkey had to cross. All kinds of story. They will teach you all kinds of story, but no spiritual thing. Because those things have no use in this world. Do you get what I'm saying? And the sad thing is that in church, we, tie, we, we, we lost after the education of the world. You see, a preacher will feel he's not valid if he's not able to teach you about when you go out tomorrow morning, what to do out there. Do you get what I'm saying? They'll feel like, ah, my message must be relevant, I must talk. No, that's not. You are, they, if you are a preacher, you have been called to, to preach an invisible being. The person that they say preach to souls is invisible. He's a spirit. You must never be tired of teaching a spirit from every week, every meeting, every year, for years and years, there's nothing else to teach. There's nothing you can do. God is invisible. God is a spirit. You have to be able to use, in, use the scripture to, and everything they use in the Bible are just metaphors. House, stones, face, all this. It's to describe an invisible entity to give chance for the materiality of those things to come into the heart of the soul. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Glory to Jesus. So you, you must come to a settlement. If you don't arrive at this place, forget the face of God. God will not bring his face until your appetite for settlement of the works of his hand has died in you. That was the era, this era of Cain. He left God's face and was going to seek a build cities and, and build civilization. All of those things, the way of Cain, to God. But you must move for things and then amen. amen. But you must realize that you are chosen of God and precious. Then verse five, ye also as what? Lively what? Stones. Uh, now somebody will say, what are you saying? Are you saying that? So how are we going to know how to live on the earth? if we don't teach about things on the earth? Simple, simple. That's not even a hard question at all. It's very simple. If you try to live on the earth without the knowing the invisible, hmm? your life will be fighting God because it has not entered into the heart of any man. 
It doesn't occur to men what man is meant to live for. Your best idea of what your life is about is wrong. Do you understand what I mean? So I say, oh, so you mean we shouldn't teach people how to live on the outside? I say, well, calm down. My point to you is that if you want people to know how to live on the earth, teach them the invisible. Do you understand what I mean? Teach them. Like Jesus was taught by the Father. Then by being, because he was taught by the Father, he knew what to do with money. When money came, he knew. If you have not been taught by the Father, your soul is empty, weightless. You don't have value of anything. You will sell, you will sell your soul for gain. Do you see that? You will sell your what? Because number one, you don't even know the meaning of your soul, the value of your soul. Why did Jesus save it? You, you just see your soul as just something there. You've not been able to, not, you know, before you get to it, let's say charity, for example. For a, for a person who's just born again to get to the point where charity is tangible enough for them to be committing hours a week of their life, to learn about it, to pursue it, to live it out, it takes time and investment. If you can't sit that person down and be talking to them about the invisible, to a point where they can see the point of Christianity beyond all the physical things that Christians do, to a point where they can see what their soul is becoming, and then begin to hold it as valuable and tangible, you get what I'm saying? Now such a person, when you send them into the world like that, you just go empty, you don't know anything about the invisible, what will happen is that, and this is the setup of Satan, is that they, they will take that precious soul and sacrifice it to gain everything on the world. Because the value of the invisible, which includes everything they are God, Christ, every, they, are not, they are not in your world. Is, is Jesus in your own world? No. Where is his house? Show me. He's not here. He's in the spirit. You understand what I mean? But if we can't paint the spiritual realm, we can't use the scripture to open up the realm of the spirit to show souls there's another reality in the spirit. The soul can never see a value there. You understand what I'm saying? So how do, how do you know how to live in this life? You must have arisen out of the earth. And you must have been established in another frame of values. It's called value system. You now realize that the purpose of natural life is to use it to win the spiritual. When someone now gives you money, you know that this money cannot satisfy me. It's not for me. It's not for my soul. It's not to make me happy. It's not for anything. Me being happy is not, has nothing to do with physical resources. It's how can I use it for the health of my inward man. But if I'm not inwardly educated, I will sell my soul. So that's why someone who is a Christian can lie and cheat and steal and do all, defraud their brothers for natural gain because they have not been taught. To that so value is what is external. So I will sell my, myself to get it. You get what I'm trying to say? If we don't teach them, we think that making people holy is telling that don't steal, no, you can shout don't steal all you want. That will not stop people from being unrighteous. The only way to make Christians holy, teach the invisible. If you're not able to magnify the 
the importance of spiritual reality. Every day you are talking about natural. Imagine you're a pastor, you're teaching about money every day. And you expect that you won't have members who still at work. And who cheat and who bad by. How? How? When even you as a pastor, they know all you care about is money. To you, you've reduced all of God's life to having things. So if God's life is having things, they see a quick way to get it. Why wouldn't they? What will stop them? What will stop them? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So he says that this, when you're coming to God, but choosing of God and precious, he says you also as lively stones that are what? Are built up a spiritual house. This is what God is building. God is building a spiritual house. Now you see, first spiritual house, then he qualifies it, then holy priesthood. If it's not a spiritual house, according to the New Testament, the priesthood will not be holy. That actually true holiness can only be produced from a spiritual house. Ours here is a house of worship. It's not clapping hands. Like this place, music and all of that instruments cannot raise a holy priesthood. Why? Because it will not be able to offer up. There's something called spiritual sacrifices. Say spiritual. spiritual. What are spiritual sacrifices? They are sacrifices that comes from a spiritual house. Right? Spiritual. It's, it's, it's something that is, is, is spiritual because it is useful for spirit, for spiritual things. Its use is spiritual. And they say, the only kind of sacrifice God accepts is this type. Spiritual sacrifices, they are acceptable to who? To God, by who? By Jesus Christ. Glory to Jesus. This concept, let me also shock you, that this concept is not just this idea of spiritual things is not just coming in the New Testament. When you go back to the time of Father, like I told you, you have to check when was face of God on the earth. As long as the face of God is manifest, it requires a, a kind of a spiritual response from the soul. Like Adam was responding to God spiritually. Right? It was something from inside him. That was what the tree of life was training him for. Denial of expedient gain to pursue the spiritual. That's what Cain fell from. All of the fathers. Abraham, when they came to Abraham, what God came to do to Abraham is to train him, to teach him about the spiritual. Do you see that? It wasn't about his physical child. It's about the spiritual. Can, we, can I show you something more than physical? When he got the child, he said, bring it back to him. Kill him. Can you kill that one? That the only son whom that loved. Thou loved. Kill him. Just kill him. To show to you that there's something more than physical. As long as heart did the obedience, that was the birth. He was able to tap into something. In that, that, that was the, he created a portal for something spiritual. Because the spiritual was lost when men began to choose their own things, right? 
Genesis chapter 6, man has become flesh. They chose wives of whom they, took, of whom they chose and all of that. Then after a while, God found Abraham. is to open a door into the spiritual. Then Abraham, Isaac, a war was happening. Jacob fought. Isaac fought, won the war for the spiritual. Jacob fought, won the war from the, for the spiritual. Right? The church, the nation was born. God had to raise Moses. Now, go and, go and read Hebrews 11. There's no time. See, are you seeing all those fathers they mention? All of them they mention in Hebrews 11. Check their tests and their trial. It was for the spiritual. It was for the spiritual. Abel, that offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. It wasn't because his, his, his animals were bigger. It was the excellency of his heart. And because of that, his blood is still crying from the ground. You understand what I mean? And then, by which you obtain witness that he was righteous, God has fine of his gifts, and he being dead, yet speaketh. Glory to Jesus. Yeah. They, they came down to Moses. You know, they spoke about Moses. It's the same thing about Moses. They were just checking Moses. They allowed him, the water took him to where Pharaoh's daughter was, was having her bath or whatever. They found it's a test. They were just setting Moses. A test of what? It's a test. Can this guy choose the spiritual? That God, the savior of Israel must be able to do that. Check all these people. I mean, everybody who's in the lineage of the promise. They must, they, you must face the test that has to do with choose the natural. Can you esteem the spiritual more than the natural? That's the test for the promise. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because it's the promise of the spirit. According to Galatians chapter 3. They have to bring, let him be raised in Pharaoh's house. Let him come. Let him know everything about the dominion, the reign, the affluence, the beauty, the money, everything, the glory and the pleasure of Egypt in the house. Let's raise him and then give him a season of choice. They were watching his heart, watching his heart. You know, we were the one that said Moses was angry. He killed the Egyptian. But when he killed him, God smiled. Means there was there's something about your heart. You don't, you know, if Moses was bad, he would deny his Israel lineage. He would want, he would be acting, he would be, he would be acting as if his great grandfather was an Egyptian. He would take hold of the throne. Yeah, Moses. You know, he was almost the one who should take over in Egypt. Hebrews 11:23. By faith, Moses, when he was born was he three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Let's go on, please. There are things here. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. So do you mean Moses was seeing the reproach of Christ? Christ. He, he, he wouldn't have put it in those terms, but there was something he saw, which is spiritual, and that has a reproach attached to it. But something in him made him able to esteem it greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. The reward is not physical. See, if it was, and there's nothing physical Moses can ever think of that was not in Egypt. But his soul was looking for another reward yeah. that is not material. Glory to God. 
By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Seeing him who is invisible. Kalisha Mahatona. Are you, are you seeing why are you seeing this? The, the, the vision of the invisible. This is, check it, this is all God just looks for in man. Verse 28, quickly. It says, through faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood, lest that destroy the firstborn should touch them. Amen. There's a place there where they now spoke about those who look for a city. We'll, we'll close with that. That Hebrew, what verse is that? Hebrews, what say they have no continuing city? but they seek that which is to come. Amen, verse nine. That's, it's back to Abraham, right? Same thing with Abraham. Now, do you know that Abraham, the, the land which we, we thought is the promised land, God took him there. Years before his children ever came there. When he got to the place, he saw the land, nice, 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 nice. This is not it. Do you know that? That's what they're describing here. Let's see verse eight quickly. Um, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should offer after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. Verse 7, but 9. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. So he got to the land, he sojourned there, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same. So not just Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, are you seeing why God will not be ashamed to be called their God? Are you seeing that? These men actually got to that land, but they never settled. See, the heirs with him of the same promise, verse 10, he said that for he looked for a city. While he got there, he said, I have not been satisfied. There's something in Abraham that was not satisfied. Look, if you hit jam that kind of land, you. Imagine a land that if they say fluent with milk and honey, when they bring one grape from the land, one fruit, what it looks like. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Say, <laughs> for he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive a seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. That's, that's Sarah. Glory to Jesus. Where he spoke about, uh -huh. says these all died, he spoke about all these men. So he was listing those who were able to fulfill such things. They all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. This promise is no land. They're talking about, these men are legends of faith. Those who are able to, to look at everything on this earth and say, no, this is not what we are going for. Our heart longs for something higher, not in the natural. See, they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded. That's why Jesus would say, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. No, Jesus said that. It means that was actually the rejoicing of Abraham. Glory to God. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. It means these men denounced the earth. They, they said that my satisfaction in this life can never come from here. I refuse, I make a vow, 
I refuse that the earth will never satisfy me. Glory to Jesus. He says that, for they that say such things, means what things? They that affirm themselves as pilgrims, verse 13, on the earth, glory to Jesus, says that they were strangers and that was their, their confession, right? That they are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This confession is not, it's something every Christian must say. We who are New Testament Christian, who are supposed to be fully, you know, said our, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. We have more confidence in the flesh than these men who did not have New Testament. So they are now telling us that we, we have to follow their path. Though. That's the whole reason for Hebrews 11. To show you that, look, if you know the legacy of faith that you are riding on, don't fail these guys. They are watching you. Chapter 12, verse 1, I began to mention them as a cloud of witnesses. They now began to warn every of us. You having such a great cloud of witnesses. Stop, stop wasting time. Quickly, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset us and begin to look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the same attitude. Have you seen what I'm trying to say? So they that say such things, glory to God quickly. Amen. Amen. That for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, which is the physical one, if, if they were mindful of it, if they wanted it in their heart, they might have had opportunity to have returned there. I mean, after they you know, so after they left the, left the place, if their heart was going there, God would have created a way for them to go back there. Say, but now they desire a better country. That is unheavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he had what? Prepared for them his city. What's verse 17? Glory to Jesus. Then you began to speak about all the other things. Amen. Are you seeing that? Do you want God not to be ashamed to be your God? Do you know God can be ashamed? Even Jesus can be ashamed. Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me, me, I will be ashamed of you too, before my Father. And those who we're speaking to are Christians, not unbelievers though. Unbelievers won't even be there. They're talking of Christians. Now imagine you go to heaven, Jesus is ashamed of you. When you, maybe Jesus is talking, as if you even see himself. But there's no guarantee you will see him. You have been in Canada, have you seen Justin Trudeau before? All your whole time here. You've not seen the Prime Minister. The fact you are in a place doesn't mean you are seeing. Heaven is not that, ah, God, I'm here. You can go there, you can be in heaven for gazillions of years. You never know where God is. Maybe you will just see some angels. Some they will say, ah, we too, we have not seen him. More. Maybe the ones in the first realm of heaven, who are not in the third heaven. Ah, they'll tell me, man, we've been here. There's a being called Elohim. They say that. We know angels come from there. You've not seen him. Ah. Some Christians will be shocked when you go to heaven. <laughs> what you think heaven is is not what heaven is. When you get there, they will just give you a house that looks like your soul. They'll just say, this area is where guys like you are. People who are Christians who have your kind of behavior, you guys will continue there. You have your neighborhood in heaven. If you, if you are a Christian, you still lie. You will go there, you, they will put you a house beside a Christian who lies too. You guys will be dancing, playing together. 
don't, don't feel that you will just get to heaven and say, Paul, oh, <laughs> wow. Tell me, you, you might not see him if you don't see. So imagine a Christian who has malice, who doesn't forgive. Are they going to bring you to the throne of God? God say, my son, let's talk. What are you going to talk to him about? Is it, is it your list of malice, people who you are keeping malice with, you are going to share? You have nothing to talk to him about. Heaven is, a, heaven is bigger than the earth. It's a vast place. It's not one tiny room. We are all going to see God. No. No. Some souls will be so shocked. What you would think it is might not be. In heaven, they will be crying there. Some guys will just be crying from morning to night. What is the cry? Sadness. What did I use all my time on earth to do? I kept chasing law degree. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? When you get there, you will be with those who look like you. Glories. As stars differ in glory, so is the resurrection of the dead. You will not be resurrecting to a higher glory because you've let the earth. The way your soul looks like, if you don't change, you'll go to heaven in that way. So Christianity is to change. Be ye holy as your Father in heaven is holy. You can be a Christian and refuse it. Will you go to hell? No. You will still go to heaven. And you know that, that world is actually the world of glories. It's the realm of glories. Even on earth, you can't even, it pains you that your neighbor has more money than you, has finer car than you. That's, that's basic earthly glory. What will you feel when you see a more glorious saint? Imagine, you know how it feels to be poor on the earth? If it's a bad feeling. When you see rich guys, guys who can afford their things, you know that good, poor poverty. That, that poverty is causing a lot of things, bitterness, hatred, fight, because nobody wants to be low. Imagine going into the spirit, which is a world of real glory. How would you feel? You think everything about glory you know in the natural is just a type to describe what real glory is. Can you stand? Can you bear the shame of having a stained garment? When saints are shining, saints who use their whole life on the earth for their purification, for their sanctification, for their glorification on the earth. These things mean something, oh. Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you, my father's house, there are many mansions. It's not one mansion there, we are all gonna sleep. We won't sleep in the same room, oh. Do you know that was the message of Jesus? It's not one bed, we just all lying down all together with the father, no. So there are many mansions, oh, in my father's house. That's even if you get to his own house. Because in that heaven, there are actually many houses too. But said, I'm, I'm going there, what my heart feels like, I want to prepare a place for you. But the secret of a place is that I must go and then I will come and then I must receive you unto myself. If I can't receive you to myself, it's a pity. Because where I am, you will not be there. But I want to receive you to myself so that where I am, this place I am, so I'm talking to you right now, I have my home where it is. I want you to come there so that where I am, that you might be whole. Oh. 
also, also, also. Glory to Jesus. God is going to help us. You know the Bible says two can't walk together except they agree. Walking together means ways. Means there's agreement in their ways. That's what makes them able to walk together. You can't walk with God if you don't know his ways. The end of the promise is that I said I will be in them. Second Corinthians chapter 6. I will walk in them. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. You can't be a people of God by mouth. You must learn his ways. His face must appear. Your soul must love the ministry of the communication of the ways of God. Just begin to pray. Now, just find your own prayer point and talk to the Lord.
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. Lord, you're removing veils right now. Tearing down veils. Pushing away darkness. For darkness is past and the true light already shined. Pushing far the veil of this present world which casts a shadow, casts a veil over realities in the spirit. Thank you for the elevation of hearts that's going on that has already been wrought. The rising, rising out of the grave, out of the miry clay, setting our feet upon the rock to stay. Our Father, helping our souls to climb our mountain, our mountain of sacrifice, to offer to you an offering, an offering in righteousness, in righteousness, spiritual sacrifice, acceptable to God by Jesus. Lord, I pray, help every soul and every heart, Lord, for help for ministry, to give unto you that which you deserve. What is man, Lord? Man whose breath is in his nostrils. Man who is nothing. All flesh is as grass, all his glory, all his goodliness is as a flower of a field that faded away. Today is and tomorrow is no more. Father, even the heaven and the earth, they will not stand the test of time. Like a vesture, you will fold them up. You will fold them up. They will pass away. But thou remainest. Thou will remain. Thou will remain. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not an iota of your word will pass. All our prayer today is come and tie us to the incorruptible. Let there, be a, let there be a tie, an initiation, a binding of our soul, of our heart, of our appetite, of our longing, of the things which we regard and things which our heart go after. Let there be a warfare on our behalf this morning. Even by virtue of this ministry, let there be a judgment of spirits who lie to us, who paint a wrong reality of that which passeth away. Oh, Father, we thank you for the, you arming us with this heart, the same heart of our fathers of faith, who you were not ashamed to be called their God. We pray you will not be ashamed of us. You will help us strengthen the weaks, the, the knees that are weak, those who are feeble. Raise them up. Make us to get up, to get up, to seek, oh God, that continuing city, that habitation which cometh from above, that city which has foundation, whose maker and builder is God. Thank you, our Father, today. We bless you. We receive grace empowerment for the exploit of the invisible, of the things that are kept in the spirit, for eyes have not seen or ear heard. Not as he entered the heart of any man, what you have prepared for them that love you, but you reveal them to us even by the Spirit. For it, the Spirit searches all 
things. Yeah, the deep things of God. Hide not your depths from us. Open up. Usher us into season of exploration. For they that know their God shall do exploits. Who do exploit in the spirit. Discovery of you. Moving into your presence. Seeing your face. Communing with you face to face. As a man does speak with his friend. So will you speak to us. Thank you our father. We give all the glory and all the honor to your holy name for this blessing. Thank you Lord Jesus. Jesus name. Glory, just say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. thank you. You know, this is not just the Lord has put something in you. I'm seeing the igniting of fire. You begin to burn for the things of God. You begin to defy all odds. You begin to defy every limitation the enemy has put in front of you. Oh, that you might to win Christ, to gain him, to be found in him, not having your own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of God, even by him. Thank you, Father. We give all the glory to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let's quickly, before we share the grace, um, quickly, School of the Spirit is coming in January, first week of January. Um, by God's grace, it will be January 3rd to 6th. Yeah, January, January 3rd to 6th. So if you want to take time off for that, you can go ahead. And uh, please, if you plan to travel to Lagos for anamnesis, just send me a message. Actually, tell Auntie Abby. Send Auntie Abby. Auntie Abby, we all know Auntie Abby. <laughs> so, if you're going to, to Lagos for Namnesis this year, just let her know. Thank you, Father. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you. You deserve the glory. We worship you. Thank you, our Father. We honor you. We bless you. We honor you. You deserve to be honored deserve all the glory. It's not like you, Father. It's not like you. Bless you. Amen. Let's share the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.